From Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. The minute Aaron Rodgers to the Jets started to feel real, conversations started to happen about what it would mean for the rest of their roster. Conversations that have been polarizing for Jets fans that are convinced that there can be no nuance in this conversation. Conversations that are polarizing because everybody simply wants to focus on one thing, Aaron Rodgers. And whatever else it takes is worth it. Now, maybe that's true. But along the way, on this show, we've asked a lot of questions. And miraculously, the questions we're answering are being answered, uh, we're asking are being answered just the way we thought they would be. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. Your small business keeps you on the go. Progressive Commercial Insurance keeps your policy within reach with their easy-to-use mobile app. Learn more at ProgressiveCommercial.com. You can learn more about roster construction if you just listen to this damn show. Like, Harry, I feel like we sat here the minute the reports came out that there was a wish list that Aaron Rodgers says is in a wish list, but we're seeing players from the list be acquired by the Jets. All of a sudden, we were sitting here saying, well, does this make sense with their current roster? Is this the right move? Do you need to weigh this? And Jets fans came at us with the thunder of the gods saying, you don't know anything. And all of a sudden, what do we know? We saw it yesterday. Miko Hardman was acquired by the Jets. You immediately asked what that meant for Elijah Moore, and it took about an hour for Elijah Moore to be traded for the, to the Browns for draft capital. The Jets are making the moves that I think two weeks ago became very predictable once they were this deep into the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes. I don't know if it's the right move. We won't know for a long time, but this was pretty obvious to see. Well, uh, was it two weeks ago when we first had this conversation? Yes. Okay, two weeks ago, right, we were under attack. Not just me, but also you. Also Fitz and Harry. Evan says it was a week ago. It was only a week ago. It was a week ago. It was a week ago. A week ago. Right? We were under attack because, you know, we said with Aaron Rodgers in this wish list that had came out, right, I I remember vividly, or very, very well, that Elijah Moore either had to be a part of a trade whether it was with the Packers, whether it was with someone else, because of the players that was on that list. And when you have more than one wide receiver on that list, well, you guess what you can't have? Too crowded of a damn room. And then when they signed Miko Hartman yesterday, I immediately said, Fitz, on our show, well, they have two of the same players on, on the roster now. And Elijah Moore is more than likely to be moved. And that's what happened. And you look at the Jets and what they've been able to do. They signed Alan Lazard. You brought in Miko Hartman. That's two new, new people offensively. You brought in Schweitzer at the center position. That's three new people offensively. And then when you finally get the trade to go through for Aaron Rodgers, that's four people new offensively. They're trying to build this thing out in a way in which they can win right now, not two years from now, not three years from now, not four years from now. They want to win now. But what also this has created, it has created more draft capital for the New York Jets if they need it in the Aaron Rodgers trade because they traded away Elijah Moore and their third-round pick for a second-round pick. That puts more things in their arsenal just in case they need it. You're always good to have, you know, extra couple dollars in your pocket, right? So now they have that. I think also this leaves more space for a guy like Odell Beckham Jr., because I don't see Corey Davis uh, remaining on this roster 
if you're looking to bring in people that Aaron Rodgers wants to be in. That's where I'm at with it. Well, and look, Alan Lazard is a a great pickup. We said that from yes. the get-go. That was part of the full segment we talked Whether about. Whether it's with Aaron Rodgers or not, it was a great pickup. Right. I think Hardman makes a lot of sense for them. Uh, you know, I, like, I don't have any problem with this. I, I just think it's funny that so many Jets fans were out there being keyboard kittens and coming out with their anonymous profiles and telling everybody how big and tough they are and how stupid anybody else is in the big anti-New York narrative, <laughs> which, by the way, biggest media market in the world. So you think we're out here hey, like... could you hold on? I gotta go up to New York next week. Yeah, okay? well, you know what? I, I'm just saying all these Jets fans that were out there and they're like you guys didn't even be thinking about all of a sudden <laughs> like now I'm sitting there saying guys this was pretty predictable and I'm not saying that it's the wrong approach this is just it's what you do when you go all in on a quarterback now part of the conversation about why Aaron Rodgers was such a good fit for the Jets in the first place we was because of their core they still have Garrett Wilson they still have Brees Hall that's a huge part of why everybody loved it but I do think it's fair to look at all of this and say hey I told you so, and I saw this coming. I also think it's funny because, remember, nothing's ever accidental. Uh, when Aaron Rodgers speaks, nothing's ever accidental. And, by the way, he believes if he says things a very particular way that now there can be no questioning of it. So, for example, obviously we all know what happened during the immunization process, but that was him choosing very particular words. Well, uh, obviously there was a tweet that went out from Diana Racina talking, uh, Racini talking about a wish list, and Aaron Rodgers responded to that wish list for teammates on the Pat McAfee show. This is what he said at the time. People want these things to be so true. They're like, I'm in this meeting, you know, you know dressed in, you know, ceremony regalia, giving them some sort of like handwritten on parchment demand list of people they need to sign. Like, listen, I think objectively, a lot of people can look at Alan Lazard and go, he's a really good player. We would love to have him on our team. Anybody with a brain would maybe call me on any team and go, hey, what kind of uh, you know locker room guy is Alan Lazard? Uh, what's his work ethic like? And I'd say, he's a great dude. Anybody would be lucky to have him in the locker room. And if somebody asked me about Big Dog, uh, Kabi, well, I don't even know who else was on that list. I'd say the same thing. Now, two things here. Number one, teams cannot contact Aaron Rodgers. That would be a violation of the collective bargaining agreement. And that would be tampering. So the only team that could do that would be the Jets after they're given permission. So for him to come out and flippantly say teams should be reaching out to me is ignorant to the law, but he knows the law. He just doesn't think any of us are going to comment on it. Number two here, he says, well, they think I'm in great regalia. Well, considering the fact that Aaron Rodgers has stood in front of a podium multiple times and told us only to judge his exact words – there was never that implication from Diana Rossini. Frankly, there was never those words. She came out and said, this is the wish list of players he's given the Jets, which he doesn't deny in that process. He just says, well, you make it sound like I ordered it. No, I mean, she asked if there was a wish list. She was given the wish list, and she tweeted the wish list that you've gone out and objected to, but at the same time, this wish list is being acquired. So, like, this is <laughs> how stupid do you think? I realize you think you're smarter than all of us, but that doesn't mean that we're directly stupid. Stupid. But but let me tell let me tell you what these moves do for the New York Jets though. Um, they're trying to make the playoffs, right? Because it's been a while since they actually made the playoffs. You look at a guy, Miko Hartman, who's won two Super Bowls with the Kansas City Chiefs. Granted, he didn't. He got hurt last year. He didn't play much. It's okay. He played the, the year they wanted before, before, beforehand. He has the playoff experience. You also look at a guy in Aaron Rodgers who, looking to be become the quarterback of the New York Jets, he's won four MVPs. He has a lot of playoff experience. He's won a Super Bowl. 
as well. You look at a guy in Alan Lazard who's been able to be with Aaron Rodgers and those guys having a number one seed and going 13 and 3, 13 and 3, 13 and 4 and having that playoff experience as well. So now you're adding pieces to the puzzle who have experience playoff-wise to the confidence that you have uh, within a lot of young guys on your team. Now you can merge those guys together. It's something to be said, man, for people who have the playoff experience. Also, you have C.J. Uzama, who you brought in last season, who went to a Super Bowl with the Cincinnati Bengals. They didn't win it, but he went to the Super Bowl with those guys so now you have a multiplicity of different guys on your offense that had an opportunity to play in Super Bowls and have a lot ton of playoff experience so now when it's time to get to that point if you're the Jets you have guys that these other young guys can turn to for advice on how these moments should be well and, and this all comes back to how they're building the roster which again I was stressed for the three million time you and I don't really have a problem with it it's just a question of was this the right approach it looks like it's working out well for them it'll all be fine because part of their wish list was also Odell Beckham Jr. right Odell Uh-oh. Beckham Jr. is somebody that Jeff Darlington ESPN NFL reporter addressed specifically with his uh, with his relationship with the Jets could they be coming together he was pretty passionate when he said this oh yes oh <laughs> all right uh and that's the most important thing I think about this conversation is the fact that just because you see this wide receiver room continuing to shift does not mean that they are done work we should very much consider Odell Beckham Jr. still on the table as an option for the New York Jets in fact we can go even further to say that both sides would still like to see this done financials still in the way of actually finalizing this thing but I th- still think that Odell Beckham Jr. will wind up with the New York Jets I mean Darlington laid it out there excited go ahead Harry. guess what Odell Beckham Jr., another guy who played in the Super Bowl and has that experience. Playoff experience, Super Bowl experience, another guy, if they sign him, that will be added to this roster. There's a theme here, right? They understand that they have a lot of young guys that can play at a high level. Now it's surrounding those guys with people who have the experience and have been there and done it as well. Again, we have no problem with these moves. Just pointing out to everybody, told you so. All right, another team that wears green and white is trying to continue their title run in New York tonight. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. The Jets are making breaking moves at the wide receiver position. So, what does it mean for Aaron Rodgers? Breaking Moves is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Build your winning team today. Go to linkedin.com sports. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Since 2019, Michigan State is in the Sweet 16. We beat a good team, but I am so proud of these guys for withstanding that because that was, I've been in Elite Eight games, I've been in Final Four, that was as intense and tough a game as I've been in in my career, and a lot of credit goes to Marquette. Sound courtesy of Westwood One NCAA Radio Network. Michigan State got past Marquette, one of the best shooting teams in the country, after a weekend of incredible defense. But they're going to have to bring it again tonight 
taking on Kansas State. Most importantly, they have to bring it in because I'm going to be there. And frankly, if I'm at the game, I should be entertained. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel Lady. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Uh, I'm like, I mean the minute this show ends. I am running to the car to get myself to New York so I can go to Madison Square Garden. But I want it to be known to the world, Harry. You didn't come through on this. Like, this is all me. I I've, I even <laughs> spent I even spent money on a ticket. How I, I'm pretty impressed with myself. Put a little cash out there, get myself to the garden. It wasn't free, and you know that usually it's hard for me to spend a little cash, but <laughs> this one feels like it was worth it. I get two big games tonight, Michigan State, Kansas State. Then I get Florida Atlantic taking on Tennessee in the uh, uh, the later game of the night, and uh, and then I'll, I'll mosey my way back on to Connecticut, nap, and go do Orange Theory. Come back to the show tomorrow. I'm going to be a changed man tomorrow after the Sweet 16. But but why are you attacking me to start a segment? Like, well, why no, are you attacking attack- me? I'm just, I'm, I'm not attacking. You know what, Harry, let me tell you. It wasn't you. It was all me. I mean, I'm just, you know, <laughs> I, I thought maybe my guy HT, like everywhere he walks, everywhere I walk in with Harry Douglas, I I, I, I meet famous people. This time well, I thought. Well, the matchup you're going to, well, are you going to see the Michigan State, uh, Kansas State game? I want both of them. I, I, that's why I wanted to go. It's two of the best well, Teams. Who are you picking? Who are you picking? Oh, I'm picking Michigan State to beat Kansas State. Uh, what? You are? No. Nah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm mostly because I'm biased. I'm going to take Kansas State then. Okay. Well, okay. I, uh, that's fine. But remember, Tom Izzo's 8-2 and two in the Elite Eight. And by the way, then he's 15-4. Uh, and four. Uh, sorry, he's 15-4 uh, and 8-2 and, and two when he plays in the same weekend. So basically, uh, all he ever does is win when he plays games tight together. So if Michigan well, can State I ask you wins. A, can I ask you a yeah. question really quick? Mm-hmm. Before you get to the Elite Eight, what round do you have to play in the first? Sweet 16. All right. So, okay, yeah, so he's 8-2 in the Elite Eight. They're not there yet. Well, that's that's Right, fair. and then Keontae Johnson, you know, for Kansas State, transfers from Florida, love his story. I'm glad he's able to play basketball again. Uh, what happened to him at Florida, passing down the floor, was was almost tragic. Thank God it wasn't, but, you know, he he's playing now. And yeah. Michigan State's going to have to deal with them. Also, Noel. Yeah, He's Noel was great Noel. against Kansas. Uh, or sorry, against Kentucky. Uh, the absolutely spectacular game against Kentucky. You and I talked about it at the time. I thought it was a little disrespectful afterwards. He was referred to as the little guy. And it's going to be interesting to me because, uh, frankly, this is the game in my bracket that I had uh, the loss coming from Michigan State. I had them losing when I predicted it. I, the biggest thing for me, though, is that their defense has been so stinking good the first couple of games. Yeah. And and Marquette was such a good shooting team. I really thought it was incredible. The only thing I'd say about Michigan State is they do have a history this year of sort of falling apart late in games. So a little nervous. I'm a little nervous. Never nervous about Sean Farnham, ESPN basketball analyst, uh, joining us right now on Fitz and Harry. So when you look at the Sweet 16 starts tonight, what's the most anticipated match? Matchup for you in this round? It's like you on the treadmill at Orange Theory. I mean, that's that's. I mean, it's, it's anticipated every <laughs> single time you show up, Fitzy. How did we do today? Did we, did we did we get some splats today? Have we splatted yet? Yeah. What did? You, how many splats did we we pull today, Fitzy? Uh, today was a twenty-six uh, splat day. It was twenty-six splats. Feel pretty good about that one. Let's go, let's go, Fitzy. All right, this a is a man's a machine uh, at Orange. I'm Theory. guessing. I'm guessing, Sean, you work at at Orange Theory as well. Yes, so ironically, you know, go back to Bristol so frequently, uh, the West Hartford crew, uh, led by Michelle and Sarah, the two outstanding instructors there, um, I showed up, and one morning it basically became an ESPN Orange Theory, because Kelsey Riggs was there, as well as Jason Fitz, and uh, after that, Fitzy and I just started figuring out when we were going, and I'd send him my schedule, I'm like, these are the ones I'm signed up for, and 
we started working out. It was fun. It was I got to oh, be so honest, you, oh, too. You like, guys have a little bromance. There, there, there. There's a okay. moment. There's right. a, like, there's a moment where I'm on a treadmill, and like, I think I'm about to vomit because I'm not an athlete. Anyone that's seen a picture of me knows that. I think I'm about to vomit, and I see in the mirror. I just see a gaze coming from Farnham. He's like three treadmills over, and he just says, let's go, just like that. Let's go. And I'm like, and then that, that's what happens. So Farnham makes my splat number go higher. Okay, enough of you guys in this Orange Theory <laughs> stuff. You rich people working out in Orange Theory. But, Sean, you are a UCLA guy. What should, should, what should America expect when Hawkeyes Jr. faces off against Drew Timmy and Gonzaga? Well, I, I think here's the interesting thing. Uh, first of all, the, the report that's out that a Dem bonus questionable for tonight would be extremely detrimental to UCLA. Uh, they need their length. They need the fouls. They need the rebounding. Uh, tonight against Gonzaga. Uh, I think what you're going to see is I'd be surprised if Jaime is on Drew Timmy a lot. I think you want to kind of protect Jaime Hawkes a little bit based on the fact that Drew Timmy is so good at drawing fouls from whoever is guarding him because of his footwork. Uh, He'd have to expend a lot of energy on Drew Timmy in that regard. So I would anticipate that Jaime Hawkes is probably going to be put more on Anton Watson uh, to try to protect him a little bit. And I think from Drew Timmy's perspective, you're going to put length, but you're going to also have to pick and choose where you're coming to bring help. And like a quarterback, you don't want to run cover two the entire game because he's probably going to be able to figure out what's going on and start picking you apart. Or zone defense, you know, as a quarterback, you start understanding what your reads are. And Drew Timmy's a really good passer as well. We talk so much about him being a scorer, and deservedly so because he's the all-time leading scorer in Gonzaga history. But his ability to pick you apart with the pass when you bring a double team, dependent upon where you're helping off of, uh, that, that has caused a lot of teams problems too this year but I think length is going to be important and if you can if you can ideally just position yourself between the basket and him stay down don't try to block his shot prevent him from getting to his left shoulder but understanding if you lay too much on that left he is more than capable of spinning off and going the other direction Uh, you can try to make him shoot over length I think that's probably the best bet to go for UCLA defensively so mix up where you bring your double teams and then play just position defense as far as when you do go one-on-one we're talking to Sean Farnham. Uh, Farnham, I was a little surprised by how effective Michigan State's defense was against Marquette. How does that carry over when they're playing Kansas State? Well, I, I think it carries over, um, and, I, and I think that this is a matchup that is, you know, it should be no surprise, right? Tom Izzo March, this is what Tom Izzo and March does, right? We talk about it all the time. Uh, there's, there's all the other months of the year, and then, you know, it goes January, February, Izzo. Um, I think that's what John Rothstein tweets at least three times a day. Um, but I, I think that when you look at this matchup in particular, like, I think we undervalue a little bit of Kansas State throughout the course of the season. And I, I say that not from the standpoint of, like, well, nobody gave them you know, their respect that they deserve over the year. But you know, you're talking about Jerome Tang in his first season uh, as the head coach, the, the longtime assistant coach under Baylor. You've got the best story in college basketball, bar none, Deontay Johnson's return to the court. And for fa- people that are driving around listening to your show, uh, that may not know Keontae Johnson, he, he was a young man that collapsed a couple of years ago while at Florida on the floor against Florida State and had an issue with his heart. And it was thought that he might never come back onto the floor again or never have the opportunity to compete. Uh, and then for him to be able to come back out this year and play as well as he has uh, for Kansas State at a level where he, he's playing at an All-American type level all year long, uh, for them to get the three seed when they not a lot was expected of them over the course of the season, I think this is a game that is extremely evenly matched up. I don't think that you come into this game and you go, okay, well, Michigan State's physical brand, 
and how they want to defend. That's going to be a clear advantage in this contest. I don't think that it is a clear advantage. I think it's going to be a very good contest. I think when you look at Marquise Noel, I think he might be the key to everything for Michigan State defensively. You've got to try to eliminate his ability, not just as a scorer, because he's scoring at 17 points per game, but the assists and the ability to facilitate the offense and how he creates shots and can break your defense down. I think he's the most important stop tonight for Michigan State uh, in that game. So, Sean, you know, in life, everyone has dreams and aspirations of getting to the top. So for you, for you from your perspective, who is the top team remaining in the tournament? Uh, it, it's Alabama right now. Uh, I, I think that uh, when you look also at the, just the numbers and what they, they can put up and the depth that they have and the length that they have, and they, they have the best player in college basketball every night when he takes the floor in Brandon Miller. Um, they, they are the best team. Now, I think that Texas isn't that far behind. I think what Rodney Terry has done has been outstanding, and it, it blows my mind that he has not been given the job yet. Um, they have not taken the interim tag off because what, what else do you have to do? You know, I was in a situation at UCLA where we lost our coach just a couple of, like a week before we played our opening game of the year, uh, and we struggled out of the gate right after that, and then we ended up finding our footing, and Steve Lavin became, got that interim tag taken off. Uh, before we even got to the NCAA tournament. But here's a coach that was a game out of winning the Big 12, the best conference in the country this year. He wins the Big 12 tournament. Uh, he beats Kansas twice within like a 10-day period of time to end the season uh, and then now has them in the Sweet 16. I, I don't know what else you need, especially when you look at how these student-athletes and the kids and the players around them have, have rallied. And so the thought process clearly is, well, we need a bigger name. We want a bigger name or, you know, but – at some point in time, the results have to start speaking for themselves. And the way that he's kept this team together, I think, has been um, unbelievably, uh, to his credit, um, just an incredible job of keeping that locker room bought in to the process. Uh, so I think Texas is there as well. And I think UConn isn't that far away either. Uh, I think UConn has kind of that same kind of feel that we had about UConn back in November when they played at the PK Invitational out in Portland and won the tournament. Uh, and ascended to number two in the country, and everybody was going, man, this UConn team could win the national championship. Well, here we are in March, and UConn kind of has that feel once again, and they've got things that you know a lot of other teams don't have as well. I mean, very similar to Alabama. They've got length. They've got shooters. They've got multiple people that can do that at every single position. Uh, the one question mark that you have with UConn a little bit is their lead guard, their point guard play, uh, and do they have a player – in any tight game that can make the right decision uh, in, the, in that pivotal moment. Because often as we get to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament, these games get a little bit tighter. The pace of play inevitably will slow down because the defenses are, are cranked up a little bit. Um, and, and you've had some time now to, to kind of reset and, and re-prepare for your next opponent. You know, a lot of the turnaround from tonight to Saturday is quick, but the turnaround from last Saturday to tonight, you've got time to watch video. You've got time to really game plan out practice some of the things that your opponent's going to go through and try to take option one and option two away. So what teams can make that adjustment and get to option three and be successful with it on a consistent basis? Sean, as always, my friend, we appreciate your time. Enjoy the basketball this weekend. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hey, keep getting those splat points, Fitzy. Let's oh, go. Let's go. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a shrine at this point. Also, eating healthy. All right. Uh, we're going to get you caught up on a big pro day today. All eyes are going to be on the quarterback position. Is there a new leader? Fitz and Harry, the podcast.
Bates and Harry's countdown to Major League Baseball's opening day with Jeff Passan. The biggest single season set of changes to baseball's rules in the game's history is upon us. And one in particular is going to be the defining story of the 2023 season. Yes, the bases are bigger and pickoffs are limited, which will mean more stolen bases, and the shift is gone, which will make baseball look and feel a little more like it used to. But the inclusion of a pitch clock, 15 seconds without runners on, 20 with men on base, is the game changer. Literally. In spring training, game times have gone from 3 hours 1 minute to 2 hours 36 minutes. The game does move faster, too fast for some who don't see time of game or slow pace as an issue. Though the clock doesn't lack critics, Major League Baseball, and a vast majority of the industry love it. The clock is here, and it's here to stay. Only seven days till opening day. It's a little Jeff passing, giving you a preview as you get ready for Major League Baseball season. Get ready with us, Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel Lady. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. I didn't know that this show could dance as wide as it is right now, but it's just happening. Oh, woo! For some reason, Harry's holding his nose like he's doing like the swim or something from the 50s. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. I'm so, like, I'm going to say something genuine here. This is for once, not a misspeak, by the way. We got to give a quick shout out and thanks to our buddy Sean Farnham for bringing us the Boost Mobile tournament preview. Switch to Boost Mobile for the power to save on one America, one of America's largest 5G networks. Harry, I'm so excited for baseball season. I can't believe I'm saying that. I know even Evans going to be a little surprised. I am genuinely excited for baseball season. Why? Two reasons. One, the World Baseball Classic really got me in the mood. It was foreplay. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm ready for this thing now. Like, we're straight into the hibbity-dibbity. We did all the romancing. There was like a candlelit dinner. Now, whoo, ready to seal the deal. On top of that, <laughs> uh, I, I am a fan of the pitch clock. Like, I, I think it, it makes a lot of sense to get the, the game to move faster, which has always been my beef. So, I understand that a lot of purists don't love it, but... Frankly, for people like me that have been, you know, on the sideline deciding whether or not to to get into it, the fact that games move faster, the fact as you just heard Jeff Passon say, we're down to two hours and thirty six minutes, that feels like so much less of a commitment than three hours. It, it makes a drastic difference to me. So I'm all in on this Mets Braves rivalry that we're about to have. And uh, and again, Mets, call me. I've sent you an email. You could at least call me back at this point. I'm waiting for them to swipe right. But I'm in for this all season for us. So here's what we're gonna do. We're going to make a bet right here on air, right now, because I am a huge Braves fan. Mm-hmm. Now, you have just become a Mets fan, but it's okay. Lifelong it's diehard okay. two-week fan. It's yeah. not like they haven't won anything recently or won a damn World Series or anything mm-hmm. recently. So, it, that's okay. You're not you're not on the bandwagon. You're just okay. joining a team that I'm consistently the disappoints their fan base. Okay. Right? So, what, what do you want to bet right now on air? Tattoos? 
I'm kidding. No. I'm kidding. <laughs> Devin was just like, wait, 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 what? Uh, look, I think, uh, I think. What are we betting on? The better record, the farther in the playoffs. Who, who wins the division? Who wins, who wins the, the division? division? Okay. And if it's neither of us, what happens in that situation? Whoever has uh, more more wins. Okay. Re- like better this. record. The better record. I like this. Then it, it is a steak dinner at a establishment of your choosing. With I'm going to say this, and this is rare, Harry. You know how cheap I am. Mm-hmm. No limitations. And we will take the show staff. No limitations. That means like, hey, if no, you want, now, if now, you want to add now. the lobster, I don't, I don't mind. I don't mind taking the show staff because it, who, if I win, you got to do it. If 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 you win, I got to do it. But you can't say there's no limitations. And then the show staff is ordering, or you are ordering. If I lose, Louis the Thirteen just consistently, consistently on a consistent. I like basis. the tomahawk cut too. Myself. Okay, uh, well, I don't care. Just, I don't care about that. Listen, let, I just spent over six hundred dollars last night for my nephew at for his birthday. Get, get I mean, a couple of bottles of wine to go. Okay. All right. So fine. Because I can't trust you savages not to have them. Okay. What if we do it this way? It's a steak dinner choosing. Mm-hmm. The team comes to the decision. We will pick a nice restaurant. All right. Yes. And uh, and anybody can get whatever they want within reason. Like, uh, I don't know how we establish that. How I, else am I supposed to say no, this? I think no limitations on food should be okay. Like, well, I don't want no you taking it to go. Food, but well, no, we're not taking no to go food. and all. Right. We're not going to abuse. You can tell that he, he went to NFL parties where at the end of the Cheesecake <laughs> Factory, they walk oh, up. They're yeah. like, I'll take eight cheesecakes to go. So here's the rule. Like, you can, it's whatever you want that you can consume there. No limitations on the food that you can consume in the building and uh, you know, and, and one drink minimum. I'm not paying. Cool, for I like I like that. Cool. All right, Deal. we got to pay. So, so, so if, no if you win, if you win, then I pay. Right. If I win, then you got to pay. I, I, I'd like to like negotiate the one drink thing. I think it's got to be. Evan, I think two. we just got to take what we can get here. Two drinks, two drink minimum. Are well, we but here's good? here's two, here's two always drink? been my thing when it comes when it comes to alcohol. I, I I don't believe in buying alcohol for other people. So. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not don't. a big drinker, so you know. Plus, Harry told me the other day I had to stop drinking entirely because my body's a shrine, you know. So I think at this point, so it, let's just go one drink, one okay, drink, one drink, one drink. Uh, some of us, pro- uh, Evan and Devin, probably only need one drink. Yeah, I mean, Evan, Evan and Devin. I Evan, said two. I'll be hammered. Evan, do you still get carded when you when you go to a rated R <laughs> movie? I only have really. Who quick, is this minor? Really Order this story. Fitz, there's Baca a gas soda. station right by your house. I once stopped at to get lotto tickets, and I was wearing a mask. I had just shaved, and I had my glasses on, and I asked for two Mega Millions with the uh, <laughs> on the same ticket, and the guy literally goes, "Are you 18?" This happened like three months ago. I swear. I two swear things. I'm 18. I swear. Two it. things. Number one, when you said wearing a mask walking into a gas station, all I could think of was like, good thing you don't look like Harry. I mean, I don't, I, like, I mean, there's just, there's no way. And number two, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. All right. I'm also not surprised that Bryce Young threw at the Alabama Pro Day. Harry says it's what is going on off the field that will matter even more than whatever happened just now. We'll tell you why next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. The 2023 NFL Draft. So you ready for the draft? Let's get started. Live from downtown Kansas City, Missouri. The NFL Draft is officially open. It all begins with round one, Thursday, April 27th on ESPN Radio, ESPN, and on ABC. With the first pick. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. One, two, 
You know, Bryce Young's pro day, CJ Stroud's pro day, it's nothing those two guys can prove because of what their tape says. So now it's an owner saying, you know what, I want to take these guys out to dinner. I want to see who can wow me the most. I want to see who can be the most impressive. I want to see who is going to be the most mature guy and, and, and show me and my wife that they can control this organization and be the face of a franchise. And you go out in the community and people love them and, and shower the community with love and give them their time uh, when they're away from football. That's what these dinners are about. Three hours later. A lot of conversation about the top overall draft pick and what we've seen. We should have Todd McShay moments from Tuscaloosa as Bryce Young has just finished throwing in. There's some controversy to some. He did not weigh in. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Before we get to that, though, Harry, got to get your thoughts on this. LeBron just tweeted, all right? LeBron tweeted this out. There wasn't an evaluation today, and there hasn't been any target date for my return. I'm just working around the clock every day, three times a day, to give myself the best chance of coming back full strength whenever that is. God bless you all sources. I speak for myself. LeBron going full Aaron Rodgers here, reminding us that he is the person that will speak in this situation. Well, two two of the last things we're going to talk about are two things that I experienced very, very well. From my playing days, he has a foot injury, right? There's no timetable for it. Trust me, I've been through it. I've been through it. You can't – anybody can deem and put a time frame on anything, but that doesn't mean that's how the human body works and how the human body heals and how the player feels. Yeah, well, a thousand percent right. We're going to dive more into that over the course of the rest of the week, obviously. Todd McShay with us right now. Todd McShay is in Tuscaloosa. Todd, uh, thoughts from Bryce Young's pro day? I know you're there right now. What did you think? Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was a very, very good pro day. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting, and I love the fact that the NFL has lined up these – quarterback pro days back to back to back like we have with cj stroud yesterday bryce young today will levis tomorrow and then just a few days later anthony richardson um so you get an apples to apples comparison and it's fresh on your mind cj stroud the ball snaps off his hand a little bit more and he has a little bit more energy at the end of his throws but that's cj stroud's game I and mean, he's a pocket passer you see more you know the off platform throws on the move different arm angles with Bryce Young, and he's, he's more accurate on those throws. So um, it's interesting because you look at, you know, success in, the, in, in college, Heisman Trophy winner with Bryce Young. You're talking about arguably the best, the best tape of any of these quarterbacks was against the, the best opponent that, that um, C.J. Stroud played against. One's a pocket passer in Stroud. The other is a pocket passer who gives you more in terms of extending with the way, with how slow the game goes. So uh, there's a lot more. It's easier to see Stroud's skill set, let's put it this way, in a pro day because he is the best pure pocket passer in this class. Bryce is shorter. Bryce is, is 10 pounds lighter. And Bryce doesn't have quite as much arm strength. But I'm telling you, there's no throw in the league that he can't make, especially with his anticipation. So it's easier to look at Stroud's workout and say, you know, that was a little bit more impressive. And I, and I would say that if I had to compare the two. But Bryce Young brings a component on the field on game day that you don't see a whole lot of from Stroud. Now, Todd, you confirmed that Bryce Young did not weigh in. Does that matter to you at all? No, I, I don't think so. I mean, if Will Anderson didn't weigh in or work out a lot of it. Like, if they were comfortable with your numbers at the Combine, then, every, you know, you're always instructed and in, in stick with those numbers. And Bryce Young, you know, maybe he's 202 today, and all, that becomes national news. So 
So I, I just, to me, it, it makes all the sense in the world. So I don't, he, he's committed. And I've talked to the, you know, the Nick Saban coaches here, the nutrition res, regimen he's on and the eating that he's doing and the, and the five meals a day and, and the healthy foods. And like, he's changed his whole diet and the way he's approaching things. And when I met with him in October, he said he weighed in that day at 195 pounds. And so from October to the, the combine, you know, he, he was able to add basically 10, nine pounds. So he's, he's progressing in the right, the right direction. Todd, we appreciate you getting the latest and greatest from Tuscaloosa. Travel safe, my friend. Thanks for the insight. Oh, all right. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. That's Todd McShay joining us. And, and Harry, I know you're passionate about the weight issue. You know, a lot of people are going to talk about it, but uh, Todd makes a great point. He already put the number on. So, you know, why have him do it? I just, I know why teams are nervous, but I get it. Yeah, Fitz, and, 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 and if you was to ask me what annoyed me the most within my 10-year career, and even when I was in college, it was the weight situation, right? Everyone talking about it all the time. You got, in college, I was on an X list where I had to eat with my weight coaches every night until they told me to stop. Then you get in the National Football League every weigh-in. It's, it's a point of emphasis also throughout the week. And you're doing everything that you can do to, you know, gain the weight, but you also don't want to compromise your game within doing so. And I, me personally thinking Bryce Young weighed in at the, at the combine, why in the hell should he have to weigh in anywhere else, right? He showed that he's committed. He showed that he can put the weight on. Now I think whoever team that he's drafted to, it's their job to come up with a plan as well as Bryce Young's that's best for him to, to what he's comfortable playing at. And that makes a lot of sense. I mean, yesterday we had Mel re, re-up his old draft grade on you, and he said then he wished you were 10 to 15 pounds heavier. I think this becomes communication, right? If you're a team that's thinking about drafting Bryce Young, you should be talking to Alabama and talking to their nutritionists. Like, what have you done? What what worked? What what is has worked? What hasn't worked? Because not everybody everybody's body the same. What they need, how they need to eat. I just have to stress to everybody that there there isn't some great gap anymore between the nutritionist at the NFL level versus some of these high level college programs, right? Like he's it's not like he's going from I had nothing to suddenly I'm going to be treated the right way. They just got to figure out the right plan. Yeah. Also, you don't want to compromise the game of the player either. Because you want him to be at a certain weight. Because now if his lower back is starting to bother him or things are moving a little bit slower because of the weight gain, now you have to tailor things back. But find out what's the best plan for Bryce Young gaining weight, also what he's comfortable at and what you're comfortable at with as an organization as well. Yeah, we're going to get more news, I'm sure, in the next uh, 24 hours about the rest of the process because we will continue to stress that with David Tepper, the owner of the Panthers, going to all of these meetings, that's going to be a huge part of the evaluation process, not just who you are in the field, but how you relate to the owner when he sits down with you and talks to you face-to-face. In the meantime, they'll keep breaking down all the big news from LeBron and Pro Day on Candy and Carlin next. Thanks for hanging out with Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Been listening to the Fitz and Harry podcast. You can listen to the guys live weekdays from noon to three Eastern on ESPN Radio, and you can watch on the ESPN app.